On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. Matt Robinson with you in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. This is episode 909. Been wanting to do this for a little while now, but uh, the world's been a bit of a mess, so uh, we'll get it back on track now. Steve Lloyd is returning, not just to the show, but to the studio. How are you doing tonight, man? Awesome to be back in the studio. I've said it many times to you, because I've been here once before. Yeah. Um, this is awesome. Your setup is so good it is it really is it, it is it is high class radio quality i feel like you overhyped me just a little bit it's at one point nice. because we had uh and and it's nice of you to say that right we've puttered away we've continued to add to puttered the studio away. look at this table <laughs> hey is that mahogany it's beautiful <laughs> it's ikea is what that is but uh, um they let you pick your finish before you walk out of there and then luckily i got a woodworker in the family there my old man we call him uh tca r d right? okay or uh, tca yeah. maintenance so or, we helped uh, out with this eh? for sure nice. and he got her cut to to level and everything but uh yeah, a couple times over the pandemic, when we were starting to do everything remotely, mm. um, had a couple guys you know pretty well from over there at TSN 1200, Graham Creech and Steve Bunda started joining me for the uh, the UFC shows. Yes, yes. And uh, you had sort of given us the the seal of approval, said, yeah, you won't waste your time. Like, well, you might waste your time, but it won't be that bad. Like, oh, be- I, I said... Matt's a good guy, yeah. and he has free beer. Yeah. Well, and, that and was the problem, was though. Yeah. And that was it. But the... the but. I didn't have free beer for them when we were doing everything remotely. <laughs> All of a sudden, I think that may be what they were waiting for. Don't worry. Eventually, Matt will get you beer. Yes. And so that did happen uh-huh. in uh, back in October. Had those guys in studio, um, finally, and uh, wanted to do that. And Creech had said to me a few times, like, heard your studio is really nice. Your, uh, Lloydy said, you know, you got a really good setup. And he said that a few times to me throughout the times we were doing these yeah. remotely. See, listen, I pumped your tires. Yeah, but it made me nervous now <laughs> that they're actually coming in, right? Like, it's, uh, I, I hope I can live up to the hype here. But uh, no, it was good. Sat around with those guys. Um, somehow, over the summer, I ended up on your... Uh, your beer delivery list with yeah. uh, with Bunda. Yes, that's right. Bunda, where was Bunda? Bunda went somewhere. No, Bunda went to Perth. That's right. Yeah. And uh, he, he picked me up, because uh, I, I like my brown ales, so if, if anybody's out there and 
they know that they can get a brown ale they think I have not tried. <laughs> They'll get one for me. I've, I've kind of been known within the circle of friends that way. That's and so he dropped off some brown ales for me. It was very nice. Well, and so he told me the night before, he's like, hey, I'm going to be in the neighborhood. I got something for you. What's your address? Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not going to say no to that because I know this is a beer run. Yeah. <laughs> for people that don't know, Matt and I live very close to each other. Yeah. Stumbling they, distance yeah, here, yeah. luckily. Pre- um, pretty much, yeah. So we are on uh, Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio, Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio. And uh, wherever you're listening right now, make sure you're subscribed. There's a follow button. There's a subscribe button. There's a thumbs up button. There's something there. Just hit it. Make sure you get the rest of these as, uh, as they're coming at you. Uh, Steve, we got a, a great beer we're going to try here in a second. I do have to point out that we'll pull the curtain back for just a second for the good listener. You were a few minutes late showing up. Yes. That happened the last time you were in studio. You were a little bit late, but that time... It was Halloween, and, and, and you made up for it by bringing us a couple of those little uh, Halloween-sized O'Henrys. Yes, I did. And, and thus far, I have not seen any small O'Henrys. I know. I, I, I'll never forget. Yeah, the last time I was here, and that was the first time I was here, yeah. it was over two years ago. It yes. was two years ago, Halloween. <laughs> and I'll, 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 I'll always remember because it was Halloween, and yeah. Halloween is also my youngest birthday. Okay. So there you go. Kind of a double whammy. All right. Well, see, now I feel guilty. For oh, no, <laughs> right no, no, I, I took get her now, candy. Yeah. Don't feel guilty. Yeah. She had tons. <laughs> I stole her candy. But uh, so far tonight, no sign of candy. But we do have an, a, a fascinating beer to try this time. And I, I did say to you uh, a little while ago, I was looking for somebody that I knew was up to try something something different, right? Yep. And I, lots of people, when they come on the show, are willing to try a craft beer. But you don't want to scare them. Like when Mendez is in here, he's usually up to try something. But you're going to have to keep it in the in the kind of neighborhood that mm-hmm. resembles a, a standard beer. Yeah, d- d- Straight and narrow. Yeah. yeah. Well. And so when he was in, we actually gave him a, uh, a lager that was produced by Big Rock, but uh, with the Tragically Hip, oh, uh, okay. called the Lake Fever Lager, which uh, came out over the summer. And, nice. Uh, so he was one of the uh, the first people back in here when we sort of started allowing guests again and gave him that. But this, uh, I knew with you coming, you were up for trying something, uh, a big boy beer. And This um, is a big boy beer. Both in percentage, both in yeah. size, both, uh, you know, in everything that's going on here. Uh, we have today from the Beyond the Pale Brewing Company, who usually make pretty good stuff. Yes, and ever and and now they've got Smoke Shack in with them, right? Ooh, right? Is it? Am, I, 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 think I think I'm think right on right. that. I think because that's right. Because I've been to the patio a couple of times over yeah. the summer. <laughs> My wife and I actually, because the bike path that follows the uh, um, the LRT. Sorry mm-hmm. to mention that. That's that's a four letter <laughs> acronym that? these days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, not three letter <laughs> right. in this town. It fo- follows the uh, the the old O train, the north south, mm-hmm. right? And uh, well, a couple times we just you know let's go for a bike ride and we'll just go down to beyond the pale. It goes right to uh, right to the city center. Boom! Beautiful patio, lots of room to space out during the pandemic. Nice, okay. solid. Very so I good. haven't been. But on I have their not patio. tried this. this okay, is good. I was going to ask you. Yeah, is this because uh, this is new to me as well? Um, Apparently, it's not new. They've had it before, but it's new to me. This is the first time I'd seen it. They tweeted it out. It was going to be in some LCBOs. It was going to be around, and uh, so we finally laid hands on it here. This is called the Dark and Picante uh, Mexican Cake Stout. It is coming in at a 9.3%. Uh, it we says might got, just have one. Yeah, no, yeah, no, and they are, they're in the, those big bottles, too. They're not a typical tall boy. So we'll see how this goes. Um, stick around towards the end of the podcast. We'll see how things are, are yeah. going. Um, yeah, so this will be new to you as well. You haven't had this one. I have never had this one. I have okay. the cool label. Very cool. Uh, looks like it could be like a, uh, what's a Jack Black movie? Um, that he did wrestling. School of Rock. Oh, uh, uh, come Lucha on. Libre. Nacho, Nacho. Nacho Libre. Hey, That's right. It, it feels like, you know, the, the label could be a mask from, from that movie, 
right? Kind of, kind of has that All feel right. to I it. Get, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um, we had uh, a buddy of mine, uh, and he co-hosts the podcast. Eventually, he has on his uh, Twitter profile uh, hosts tall can audio when everyone else is sick. Is uh, sort of how he frames it. Um, but uh, he's uh, he's a shorter guy. He's maybe five nine or so, and. I, I've hey, that's never tall. Hey, come on now. Yeah, all right. I'm five, eight. <laughs> um, I've never been able to pin down his exact background. He's brown of some kind, right? Okay. And he'll that's what he calls himself. Like I, I'm not talking out of school, but he's he said to me like I go. He to, refers to himself that way. Yeah. And okay. if he goes to Mexico on vacation, he doesn't worry when he wants to go wander around the streets. Okay. Like he he can fit in there. If he goes to the south of Italy. He feels like he can fit in there. If he goes to different parts of the Middle East, he's just walking. He's just sort of a chameleon, depending on what his facial hair is that day. Um, all these things. So he goes down to Mexico City with his, you know, whiter than you and I, or as white as you and I, girlfriend. Mm. And uh, he wants to go see the Lucha Libre wrestling. Oh. <laughs> and he goes, but you you can't come to his girlfriend, right? Like, that's going to be dangerous. This is outside the resort walls. I'm a chameleon. I can blend it. And I'm sure she went... <laughs> Yeah, to go watch wrestling, you're right, I'm not coming to that. Uh, so he comes home, and while he's there at the souvenir stand, for the, he buys a couple of the different Lucha Libre masks, right? All the Mexican, Mexican wrestlers yeah, like yeah. to wear the masks. So he gets home, and he's telling a buddy of his uh, about seeing this, uh, all this Mexican wrestling in the masks and whatever. And I guess his buddy says to him, wait right there, I got to show you something. And he goes, and he comes back, and he f- I have no idea where his buddy found this, but it is a branded... Toronto Argonauts luchador mask. What? Yeah. This is, it's got the Argo. I don't know if they're trying to reach out into Mexico City. I don't know where this thing came from, but it is a blue, uh, double blue, um, luchador mask with the uh, Toronto Argonauts branding on it. So wow, he okay. comes up, what is it, 2017, 2016, when we host the Grey Cup here in Ottawa, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So he comes up. And uh, the Argos are playing in it. We have tickets. We're going to go to the game. But of course, we're first going to go check out all those branded parties, right? We go to the Argos party. And he puts the mask on. And all night, we're calling him the double bluchador <laughs> as he's walking around. And people are loving it. People are high-fiving him, buying him drinks. Not buying us drinks, but mm. buying him. <laughs> but uh, long live the legend of the double bluchador. Wow. How did we get on the... Oh, the uh, the label here. The label. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, first takes on this uh, this Mexican cake stout. Well, first off, I uh, you know what? You didn't give me the opener, Matt. I mean, oh. you're quite the host. There's one here. sitting there to your left. Oh, here it is. Okay. Okay. Now, okay. I guess we need the sound On the effect. guest side of the... I didn't know you had an opener for me. I wasn't paying attention. All right. Let me see, because... I don't know. Come on. Can I outsmart it? Come on. Come on. There it is. There it is. Oh, right. it's backwards this way. All right. All right. On the guest side of the table, you're taking care of. You got a, a stein there if you I want it. You I got didn't the, know. The, the, okay. Let's see here. I can tell you on my first pull... The cinnamon hits you late. It says there's some cinnamon to it. There's some sort of spice, something chasing mm. you there. That, uh, oh. it's, <laughs> and it does. Ha- you can tell it's nine point three. Oh, it's like, got some kick. Yeah, you get every you get every bit of that nine point three. This reminds me of being back in university in the nineties when uh, maximum ice was a thing. Oh, though, yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> you'd have you'd have uh, maximum ice was it was in the sevens, I think. And they think, oh, let's just get a couple of those. They will prime up before we hit the pub. <laughs> and, oh, it, it was just, this tastes a lot better. Okay. <laughs> I, it, it, my recollection, drinking those maximum ices, it was just, you could you could taste the booze. Yeah. And it, and it was just. Well, there's a bit of an age difference between us. I remember seeing those in my dad's fridge. I don't remember ever having one uh, or uh, 
you know. You didn't miss anything. No, no. no, I'm, no, sure. no, no, no. I'm like 10 years old in 93 or whatever, when no. I, the first time I started seeing those. But um, yeah, he, it's this has got a little, there is a spice to it too. It's not just the kick at the end that you get with the liquor. There's like, you when it says there's cinnamon or something, and there's like a scotch, something else it said on the label that like, I, there's a lot going on there that uh, hopefully we'll see as we kind of. You know what? The, the more, yeah, the, there, there's a lot of flavor to this. Yeah. There is. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to Beyond the Pale. They did it again. And, uh, if Steve is just being nice, I'll edit out when he goes to the fridge and gets something else. No, no, no. Uh, this is good. <laughs> Aged on, uh, cocoa nibs, vanilla beans, cinnamon, and scotch bonnet peppers. This is good. I don't know what scotch bonnet peppers are. I don't are, know. But, I'm uh, just, you, you just, just keep moving. Smile <laughs> and wave. I don't know either. Um, you know, you were on, I think... Early summer, maybe late spring, something yeah, we like that. zoomed uh, a while ago. Yeah, yeah, you were on remotely. You were getting ready to go golfing, so I know it was at least into the nicer weather. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the summer, you try anything different? Anything that stands out to you? Anything? Uh, um, I'm just trying to think here. Anything different? I said to My- Bunda and Creech when they were in here, I said, I know where that guy vacations. Because you had, uh, you had posted on Twitter while you were on holidays at some point this summer, three different beers you had tried, or there was a picture, and it like zoomed in on three kind of just west of town down in the valley sort yep. of breweries. And I'm like, I could, if, if if he has one more beer, I'll be able to pinpoint exactly where that yep. guy vacations. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I am an Ottawa Valley kid. Yes. I'm originally from Carleton Place. And um, you probably saw pics. My my parents have a place that I totally abuse. Of course. Because they're on, they're on the lake on Big nice. Rito. Um, and so they're just, they can see Portland from where they are. So they're pretty much... In Portland, almost. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're looking across at the galley uh, in Portland, <laughs> across the lake from where they are. So you're you're close to, uh, there's a brewery in Westport. Um, there's a really nice winery in Westport with a wood-fired oven. Really right. Nice, okay. Really nice place as well. But I've become, uh, over the summer especially, pretty big fan of Perth Brewery. Okay. And my, That was one of them that day. My go-to over the summer, a beautiful summer beer on a hot, Hot day, mm-hmm. nice quaffing beer. Yeah, I love their Calypso. Oh, I've had that. It's it nice. is so nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's got it's just got a, uh, a little bit of a uh, a fruity taste to it, just not too much. Right. It's the perfect stinking hot day, <laughs> and you can drink way too many of them. Yeah, <laughs> which I did on a few occasions. <laughs> so okay, you are a little bit south of where I thought you'd be because I think in that picture or whatever you had posted that had said I, I I can find it. I felt like a like a PI or something, right? Where I'm tracking this guy. And there was like a triangle. I think Stalwart Stalwart's in Carlton Place. It's, yeah, Perth yeah. was in there. So we're sort yeah. of all west. And there was something else that made it like a triangle. I can't Might remember been, that. Uh, Bromeister? Could have been, one yeah. So you Place, were, possibly. You were obviously well south of that. But uh, anyway, you, you had me anyway at uh, this guy somewhere in the, yep. the west part. There's so the, many great spots these days. Yeah. Right? There's, so, there's so many great craft places just in this area. Yeah. Well, no, I, it sort of forced me to... I think we talked about this the last time that throughout the pandemic, once they started delivering, yeah, I'll try them all. Like if you're coming right to me, mm-hmm. cool. Like bring me whatever you got. I'll try one of everything. And, um, yeah, I've sort of, um, you know, had my eyes open to a few of them. Now on Sunday's show, when, uh, when Rob was in here, I was drinking something from Ashton, which yes. I know, uh, you really like them. Well, I, I, I've told the story. The, their this is what I was going to ask. Are, he, I used to work for. I was going to say, because Rob and I weren't sure. I said, didn't he work there? Isn't that where that not, started? The, the story is, because yeah. I'm old, um, it was the old Hart Brewery, which was in Carlton Place. 
Uh, Lauren Hart started that. Okay. And I got a job. Um, I'd work the bottling line for him the odd time, but right. my main summer job was I gave tours right. and hosted the front of the store basically mm-hmm. on Saturdays and Sundays. And Sundays we always did a killer of a business given tours because by law you had to get a tour and then you were allowed to buy beer. And right. It was a big okay. deal. That's before you could buy beer on a Sunday right. in this province. Oh, man. And so we'd have a, a lot of rummies coming through basically <laughs> just wanting their beer on a Sunday. <laughs> Whatever, right? Yeah. Um, what a great job. Anyway, so Lauren, um, when Ashton, you know, uh, Quinn and, you know, they ended up getting uh, getting the Ashton uh, pub um, and wanted to get into the brewing business, Lauren is the one that helped them out. And Lauren, actually, they obviously made a deal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his recipes, their amber is the hard amber. Okay. Um, their, uh, their harvest brown is the brown. Um, like a lot of the recipes from Hart are the exact recipes, and then Ashton now uses them uses them all these years later. Right. Yeah. That's so crazy. that's why I, I I'm partial to it. Yeah. I think my favorite brown is the Ashton Brown. Right. Because it's very familiar to me. I've had a few back <laughs> in the day when it was the Harvest Brown made by Hart. Right. Okay. Um, I knew there was some sort of tie that uh, I didn't remember if it was still called Ashton or if it had changed into something, but I knew uh, you had an affinity for it and that there was a backstory. The best to it. part, Matt, was um, as the tour guide, you always have a beer with the people at the end of the tour. <laughs> And on a busy day, and uh, more than a few occasions, I had to call my dad to come get me. <laughs> dad, I can't drive home from work. Yeah. It, it happened From again. work. Yeah, it, it happened, it happened again. again. And yeah. he's like, you got quite the job. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Andy was in here, he was saying just last week that, you know, as he's going through putting the, um, you know, we're going to put this out on December 1st. So that'll be the first day of the uh, Ontario Craft Beer Advent Calendar. So check out episode 906 if you want to hear more about that uh, with Andy Nita. But he was saying as he's putting them together, it's like an assembly line, right? You're walking down and put this one in from that brewery and that one. It's like the whole time, you're probably having a beer or two as you kind of go. And, uh, you know, that's his work day. He's sitting there sipping away on a lager or something and uh, and enjoying his day. And I don't think everybody gets that as you're yeah. <laughs> needing to ride home from work because and, you've already had a couple. And on the old school bottling line, everybody's cansies, but it was bottles back then. <laughs> yes. Okay. There didn't, what didn't come in cans. Okay. Um, we were allowed to, employees were allowed to buy the shorts and all you had to do was pay for the bottle. Oh, nice. 24 for (laughs) $2.40. And just because in those bottles, it might be just a little bit less, like not a ton. Yeah. It's like, that's a short, but you can't, you can't sell that. It's a short, right? The way it got bottled. (laughs) Right. So they can't throw it out. Some of the employees would buy that. Yeah. Get a twenty four for two forty. Oh my god! <laughs> it's better than just ripping over to Quebec like the kids do now, right? Yeah. The kids. Oh god, I'm getting old too. Jesus, <laughs> that did not feel good. Um, it's half the reason I keep my hair so short is every time I go in, I'm like, oh, there's a few more grays in here, Matt. Than yeah. last time, I'm like, okay, shut up. That's <laughs> why so I wear the hat too. Um, look, there's a bunch of stuff we can get into here, but since it's fresh in mind, and I know you've been talking about it a fair bit, so I hope you don't mind if I ask you about it too. But the uh, we'll we'll hit on the Habs, we'll hit on the Sens, we'll hit on the Leafs. But let's start with the Senators and just the news that broke today. Uh, Ian Mendez went down, or mm-hmm. made it sound like he went down. Maybe he just zoomed. He was with no. Yeah. Ian drove down to Belleville. So I went to college in Belleville. Little bummed. Oh, Ian, yeah. Okay. Little bummed. Ian didn't. I could have done my own thing. Like he could have gone and talked to Matt Murray. I could have gone and made sure the go go was still looking like it's supposed to look like from when I was down there. I <laughs> uh, didn't get the invite to hitchhike with Ian, but. He said, you know, from and speaking to Matt Murray, that he had no idea what the plan was at this point, right? That he'd hardly heard from management at all. He heard he was going down, 
but that he was disappointed in the way that this had all played out and he wasn't really sure how long he was going to be down there for, you know, what the goal was and that there was just sort of a lack of communication. And this isn't the first time we've heard this about the senators. Um, but at the same time, fans are sort of complaining about the same thing that they don't know where this is going, what, what's being done. I heard you and CJ discuss it uh, on the radio this morning. They're from over at the rink a little bit, but what is your take on what is the end goal? Is this a, a permanent burial of Matt Murray that, you know, we've given up and we've admitted that this is a mistake or are they hoping that he's going to go down there and find his game? I I think they truly are hoping he's going to find his game, but they're taking it from a, a tough love scenario. It's like, you haven't been good enough. We were raving you. You're going to Belleville. Right. Go play for Troy Mann. I had Troy on the show today. Have him every week. He's very candid. I love that's a weekly interview I always look forward to. Just mm-hmm. to talk hockey with a good hockey good hockey guy. Right. Um ten well, to two on T S N twelve hundred. Oh, good plug there. There you go. Um so with um but with, with what happened today, um, you know, I, I I did some some sniffing around a little bit after the show. There was a little bit of a Matt Murray um, was very candid when he spoke to Ian. Yeah, and said because the question was, "Have you spoken to Pierre Dorian?" And the answer was no. Right. The context of that, and I spoke to Ian about it afterwards, and, and Ian clarified himself because when I, when I first saw that, I, I was like everybody else. I'm like, "You got to be kidding!" Right. Me. You you sent you sent your starting goaltender. That's the sixth highest paid goalie in the league, Whew. and I know he hasn't played well. Yeah. And you sent him to the minors and you didn't talk to him? Because that that's what it kind of... It know, did you, seem that way. You can jump to that conclusion. Sure. Twitter's a scary place because it's just text and we all put our own spin what, on it. What happened was, of course, they talked to him. Yeah. Um, the general manager and, and I think the agent was involved as well, and DJ. Um, they, they spoke to Matt Murray and said, listen, we're waving you. This is why you're going to go to Belleville. If you clear this, but before because he had to go on waivers, they yeah. laid it out. They did speak to him. It wasn't a total blindside right. that way. Um, but Matt Murray, in his context, from what I'm led to believe, have you spoken to Pierre Dorian? It was basically since that moment okay. they had not spoken, and he and he did voice his frustration about a plan, and and he feels uh, a little confused about what the plan was. That was as of this morning. Now maybe they spoke tonight. Sure. Um, because I know that they're in Utica. They We had Troy on earlier today because they're hopping on a bus to go to Utica. They're playing Utica tomorrow night. Hmm. And Matt Murray, um, when we spoke to Troy Mann about that as well, um, he might not play tomorrow night. It might be he might need more practice time or what have you, so we'll see how that plays out. But sorry, I'm rambling on No, you. this is long, why you're here. Long, long story short, um, no, it, it's not like a total wash their head. That, that, that'd be foolish. Yeah. Um, they're hoping that he goes down there and he plays and he plays well. That's in the best interest for them. It's the best interest for Matt Murray. But make no mistake about it, he better play well. Yes. Because they did this for a reason. And the timing is the timing's interesting because, to be fair to Matt Murray, he had COVID. Yeah. He came back. He had two practices in all that time because the team was shut down with COVID and he had COVID. Yeah. They f- go out west, he gets two practices under his belt, that's it, and he goes in place. Mm-hmm. And the San Jose and as game, you said, the team was also, had had COVID, and, so they weren't going to be great yeah. in front of him. Well, and, and the team's not very good, period. Right. Yeah. Like, let, let, let's not pretend the Sens were playing well before COVID sure. either. Nope. Like, it's a, this is not a good team. 
You just uh, wiped a total question right off my mouth. You know, you know. <laughs> I always go to the classic Bill Parcells line: "You are what your record says you are." Right. They are. The, they have the same record they did after 19 games last season. They are the worst in the league in goals against again. Yep. And that's something that's plagued this team for years. You got to go back to. I did this exercise the other day. You have to go back to the 12-13 season. Wow. Going forward, since then. To get a moment in time over a chunk of years where Ottawa's not dead last in goals against in the league. So what that I'm saying can't is, be right is it from the 13-14 season oh to present day to today? Because there's a conference final run in there. There's they, some playoff appearances. They, in they there. have regular season stats, obviously. Yeah, yeah. 13-14 season to now, no team in the league has allowed more goals. They're the <sighs> only team that's allowed 2,000 goals. And I know so that, it's been a long time, but man, that's and, and that like a big and that's number. different coaches, that's <laughs> yes, different yeah, players, systems, like, and, and that speaks to it through, for the fans' lens, right? Because it, because people can get defensive, and and it's fair, right? It's like, well, sure. we weren't here for that. I wasn't here for that. I wasn't the coach. Da, da, Look, you're talking to a this, Leaf now, guy that. that's fans asking Mitch Marner to answer for 1971's yeah, team. Fans don't care. <laughs> no, fans they don't. They just like you know what? I I, I was buying tickets then. I'm 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 wondering if we're going to buy tickets now, and I'm seeing the same thing. Right. It's it. Hockey's like billiards. It's not what you get, it's what you leave. And right. the Senators, for years now, they've had problems just keeping the puck out of their net. And it's happening all over again. So I said on the show at the time that it happened, and I still believe it now, I didn't hate the trade for Matt Murray. Mm. I immediately, though, before we saw game one, I'm like, that. I don't like that contract extension, right? Like that's a lot of money for a long time for a guy who, like we can say right now for the last four years has statistically been one of the worst goaltenders in the league. He's been in decline but for in, a number of years now. Yeah, but for two years before that, he was already approaching that territory. And so I had no problem with let's trade for that guy. We're young and up and coming. Let's see if he can give us some stability and find his game. Let's see, you know, can he, does he just need to change his scenery? All these things. Didn't hate the trade. Didn't like the they didn't contract. Give up anything really? Like it was one of the second round picks that they got at the Dezingle trade. Mm-hmm. They got two of those. Yeah, um, you know from uh, from Columbus and Duclair. Right. Think about that. Like they got Anthony Duclair and two second round picks for it's Ryan Dezingle. Yeah, and they flipped Jeez. one of those second round picks with John Gruden, who was a fourth round pick. Right, middling prospect. Right, take Not a swing. NFL coach. No, no problem. Right, no, no problem. But you're right. It, it's the contract. It's like okay, that's a pretty big swing. You're really counting on him being the number one goaltender. What do you make of the the way that contract is structured? Because two things come to mind for me, and they sort of oppose each other. The first one being Eugene Melnick likes to backload his contracts in case maybe he doesn't own the team down the road and it, maybe it'll be someone else's problem. At the same time, the time Matt Murray signed his contract, almost everyone was trying to backload their contract because you were getting escrowed into hell. You were getting your contract sliced in half basically for a 56 game season. There was a lot going on and there was optimism yep. that further down the road, you want the big money there because you'll be getting more of it. Are both of those a play is one more than the other? Like at the, cause at this point now, when you're stuck with Matt Murray and you're not sure that he's going to be the guy, $7 million next year, $8 million the year after you can't even get an Arizona or a, you know, one of those teams to take that away from you mm. and just carry the cap hit. Like, the contracts that work the other way, right? Where they're front-loaded and go down, you're stuck with this guy. Now, now to your point, though, we, we saw, and, and, and I think the latter is more true, okay. e- even though, you know, Eugene Melnick, uh, um, with the fan base, especially in this town, could be skeptical sure. when it comes to contracts of, of things of that nature. But mm-hmm. this one, 
was kind of par for the course. There was a, but the, when you look at it, and this isn't total hindsight's twenty twenty to your earlier point. Yes, yes, he's got pedigree. Two yep. Stanley Cups at a young age. You sure. can't take that away from him. Nope. You know, um, but it was just what what leverage did he really have to to kind of get that kind of term and well, money? I know that especially at a time going into that shortened last season, everyone knew Seattle was coming, mm-hmm. and so everyone was going to be willing to give up their backup because he could only protect one goalie, right? Mm-hmm. So again, diminishing Matt Murray's leverage was the fact that almost every team in the league was willing to talk about their backup, right? And there was some, going to be some good options out there. Uh, it's perplexing a little no, bit. No, it's so now they've got two years left of Matt Murray after this season. And because it is also backloaded, if you want to buy the contract out, mm-hmm. it costs more because you're buying out, you you buy out the cash, not the cap hit. There's more cash left in the back yeah. half of this deal. It'll cost more money to buy him out because it is backloaded. Right. If you wanted to do that, if you want to go down that road. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens in the off season, but in the immediate future. And, and and here's the other thing. Belleville's been a nice little story here, quietly, yeah. playing very well, and they've been going through bodies because of COVID with the big club and their own injuries. Yeah, all injuries their guys keep Ottawa. going up. And, yeah. They've been using so They've had PTOs coming and going. Cody Golabath back oh, in the game. And, and, and he's gone already again. Okay. Like it's they've Anyways, um, and a big reason why, Matt Sogard and Kevin Mandelizzi were playing really well. Right. Now, Mandelizzi, he, he went to Atlanta, ACHL, because Murray's down there and he's got to play. Yeah. And Matt Sogard, this is not ideal. You want your your young guys to develop. Well, if Murray's there, you got to get Murray going. Right. He's got to play. So that's, sudden, that's, not, that's not ideal for prospects. Matt Sogard right now. Right. So. so what do you make of the... Um, there's a certain amount of, you've cleared the air here and, and made it clear that obviously Matt Murray had it explained to him what was about to happen. Maybe he hasn't heard from anybody since, but maybe he didn't need to, right? Like you've been told, go down and play and find your game. Are the fans deserving of an explanation? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because no one else has come out and said anything to them about what's happened. And we really, and I'm of two minds here because almost every time Pierre Dorian comes out and speaks both me as a non-Senators fan, but also real Senators. I'm like, I really wish you hadn't spoken, <laughs> right? Like, he, he seems to embarrass himself a little bit. Not embarrass himself, but just he's not necessarily a great public speaker. Um, but you're also sort of hanging all of this on DJ Smith to kind of carry water for the organization when all he's responsible for is the guys that he has and what they do. So maybe there's some questions for him to answer too, but this isn't one of them. At some point... If you want people to come back and buy tickets and spend money on your organization, don't you have to come out and somebody's got to say something? Well, it's, I mean, there's, it's interesting because Vancouver just came through Montreal and they won. Yeah. And Vancouver's in Ottawa tomorrow night to play the Sens. And so we've got these three teams and then like all three of them have been tire fires for for different reasons. (laughs) Right. Montreal, they blew out three significant staff members. Mark Bergevin, who I think he was going to be gone at the end of the season sure anyway. Like it. Trevor Timmons, who I can't believe how how long Tre- Trevor's like from Almont locally something. here. Yeah, all right. He came right from the Sens organization in 2002 Whew. and went to Montreal. I want to say it was. So that's a long time employee, yep. Yep. you know, that was let go. And so they're going in another direction. They bring in Gorton. So that's the air's out of the balloon there. Okay. Yep. And then Jeff Molson held what an hour long. Newser. It was, yeah. To, to address things. And 
he did well. I think he did well. And it, doing it in two languages. It, it doesn't it, seem like French is his yeah, first there's, language, there's, but he was taking them in both languages and doing his best. But you know what? Say, it was good because he owned it. Yes. He, he stood there for he, at least, he, I think it was 57 minutes. He, he wasn't indignant at all. He nope. just like, listen, nope. mistakes were made. Here's I made mistakes. At. I probably should have insulated Mark better when I hired him. It's a big job. This is why we're going to layer it this way. This is what we need to do. And angry fans kind of, they appreciated that. They're still not happy with how the team's playing. No. But they they appreciated the candor. Yep. And, and speaking, Jim Benning did it the week before. That's after true, yeah. Aquilini went on the road trip with the owner when yeah. that was the news. It's like, all right, <laughs> I guess he's on alert. And he still could be. Right. Benning ended up speaking. Yep. Held a newser. Just, all right, I'll take your questions here. Yep. Sense fans are saying, who's, who's speaking? Because it's really not fair to DJ Smith and Brady Kachuk. No. to speak uh, about the hockey games after because they're available, and then, then the odd hockey ops question gets lobbed at them. It's like, what? A, it, 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 that's not their gig. No. So I, I think there's a lot of fans, and we talk about it in the show and all of our shows on TSN 1200, that I think somebody should be speaking in the near future. Well, that um, was part of the reason Pierre Maguire was brought in, right? Was That was sort of hype. I'm not saying it's his sole responsibility. It certainly is not. But they hyped it up when he came in. Well, he was was asked that uh, when when he was a guest on the station. Mm -hmm. Is that part of the gig? Because you are a good orator, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, And he said, yes. I did speak with Mr. Melnick about that, and that's going to be part of... That's... He he hasn't... No. No. (laughs) We haven't heard from anybody. Haven't heard much from Pierre Maguire. Haven't heard from anybody. Right. Beyond um, the hockey club level, from the coach and the players. But we haven't heard from, from Pierre Dorian... Haven't heard from the owner, obviously. Haven't heard from Pierre Maguire. Um, this is the worst team in the NHL. And fans are are wondering if it's going to get better. When will it get better? Uh, the rebuild is over line. Isn't That's looking, hanging hard. Like, and and uh, at the time, people jumped on it. And I kind of, I, I kind of, I saw what he meant to say. Yeah. I did. Yeah. He's saying, he's saying we're done tearing this down. Yes. Okay. There, the renovation process. Yeah, if he'd have said now. the teardown is over, yes. everyone would have went fine. Yeah, yeah. okay. Okay, probably, we're not yeah. tearing anything down. Yep. We just signed Brady. Yep. We just signed Drake Batherson. Okay, yep. we're moving. And these are facts. Yeah. He's, he's re- but rebuild is over, and now you're the worst uh. team in the league again, approaching twenty game mark. That that that's hanging out there now with the fans, and and this is another reason why I think somebody does need to speak. I guess it's easy hindsight. I'll I'll say and. My opinion's always colored, obviously, by... Uh, blue. By, it's yes, blue colored. For sure it is. I absolutely, and to this moment, I still believe that the Senator's future is bright. It's going to be good. There's a lot of good pieces coming. And I did believe they would be better this year, but I thought that the opinion that a lot of fan ba- uh, the fan base and and some of the media, and I don't know where you stood, you'll I had them there not the making second. the playoffs. Right. My... my- Preseason sense talk is like I expect him to be competitive. Okay, I expect him to, to not be dead in the water. Right at in the, November. At, at no, at the I said a successful season would be um, that they're still kind of hanging around. They're having an okay year. They're not dead at the trade deadline. Right. Okay. They're dead before December. Yes. yes. I Man. mean, like they're not making the playoffs. No, and that's all I was going to ask is how disappointing this is because I, I did again. I didn't either seeing see them being this bad. And I don't expect they will continue to be this bad. No one is this bad for an entire season. No. Um, and there have been injuries and there have been COVID, you know, situations. That's not the entire story here, but it is part of the story here to be, you know, to be, to be to fair. Be fair yeah. Yes. Yes. Would the record be exactly what it is if they had great, better health right. and no COVID? Okay, maybe. But honestly, Matt, I'm not going to say it's going to be a heck of a lot better. 
And that was all I was going to say is my opinion was that they will turn a corner this year. I thought the idea that they would contend right down to the last week or two and then miss out on the playoffs. Yeah. I thought even that was overly optimistic. I, I, I thought that they, that they, they missed the playoffs this. and they wouldn't be mathematically eliminated until after the trade deadline. Yes. But I, I didn't have them as a playoff team. Right. But I certainly did not have them starting like this. I did not. I did not see this coming. I thought they would be better because the bar was pretty darn low. Sure. <laughs> right? Yes. And here we are again. Um, since we've sort of, you brought up the Canadians there a second ago, I want to ask you what you think about what they did over the weekend, because I was listening to your show this morning, uh, down from the rink there at practice and you sort of echoed what I had been thinking for a day or two here, which was, and I think we're coming at this in from slightly different places, but ending up at the same conclusion that what the Canadians and and Jeff Molson are trying to do is a little bit of sleight of hand here, right? That the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens has to be bilingual, has to be able to speak to both parts of the fan base. I'm not a Francophone guy. I've never spent any significant time in Quebec. I don't fully understand that. To me, it seems a little short-sighted in the sense that you kind of limit the guys that you could get. But that what they've done here is hire um, Jeff Gordon who has actually orchestrated a pretty nice and pretty fast rebuild of the New York Rangers. Some luck there, but there's some skill there too. Nice to have some luck in the draft. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is. So they've brought him in and he's going to be the, the vice president of hockey operations, but essentially top of the hockey pyramid and their general manager will be uh, a French speaking, you know, Francophone kind of yeah. guy. And, and, not, not a, and the key is Jeff Molson was clear on this point. It's not just... A, a bilingual, it's a francophone. That's bilingual. I was gonna I'm glad you brought that up because that was you know different to me. Like I, I was okay, it isn't just as it like if I grew up in Oshawa, Ontario like I did and was perfectly bilingual, no, I'm still not a I'm still not a candidate. I, I don't think it can be a Franco Ontarian and right. you know, and he's no, from you you have to I don't be think you could be from Eastern Ontario or New Brunswick even. Right. I think you have to be Quebecois francophone. Right. I think that's what Jeff Molson is saying. I think that's true. But what we're going to see here, it seems like, because Jeff Gordon in New York, you didn't see him talk a bunch, but he was the GM there and John Davidson was the president mm. and John Davidson's a great speaker. Oh, like he handled all the business stuff. He handled all the, mm. the, those, the events you're supposed to go to and all these sorts of things. And he was great at it. And it left Jeff Gordon to just do the hockey thing behind the scenes. It seems to me like they, it, it's not dissimilar as you brought up on your show this morning to Kyle Dubas and... Um, you're Brendan forgetting Shanahan. Brendan Shanahan's name. You're, you're a guy. The hey. Shanna plan. Um, <laughs> you don't hear from Shanny all that often. Kyle Dubas is both the GM and when it's time, he is the guy who comes out to speak. Shanny usually only speaks at maybe the end of the season after another disappointing playoff loss. <laughs> uh, it's typically when you see Shanny come out and try and calm the waters. They're almost, it seems to me, Lloydie, like doing the off opposite here where the GM is going to be sent out there to talk, but I think it's pretty clear Jeff Gordon's the guy who's going to, mm -hmm. much like he did in New York, do the hockey stuff, but he's you've just flipped the titles here. And so you can still say to Montreal, hey, here's your francophone general manager, but everybody knows there's another guy pulling the strings, don't you think? I, I, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and whomever they hire, maybe it's Matthew Darsh, maybe it's Danny Briere, mm -hmm. maybe it's somebody else, and they can learn on the job that way, but you're insulated by somebody with a ton of experience, 
I, I think it's a, it's a very smart move. I, I think it's very smart. I think it's but, a little pandering, to be honest with no, you. No, but it, I think but you're it, sending a guy out there to go. Here's your francophone, but he's not really the guy. Well, but this is how they can spin it. And and to to be fair to that, like it's not like this model doesn't happen in other places and and through all sports. Okay, like who's the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays? Yeah, Ross Mark Atkins. Shapiro. Oh, you're right. Yes. Bing. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Freudian slip, but not really. Okay. Lloydian slip. Okay. Uh, who's the general manager of the Toronto Raptors? Uh, Webster. Bobby Webster. Okay. But who's calling the shots? Yeah, of course. It's Masai. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not abnormal. Um, so, But it is in hockey, don't you think? Well, you know, we, we, we see more of it. Shanahan does it there. JD did it. But you don't think... Yeah, but they're the guys who speak, but they're not the guys running it. Right? Like... But they're... Every organization will be different, but when you have somebody who has been a general manager and you're in that role, like Brian Burke's doing it right now with Pittsburgh. Yes. Brian Burke did it with in Calgary. Calgary. Yep. I mean, he was Brad Living's boss. You know? But in those since, like, Brian Burke specifically. that up the flagpole I do. for, for, for I big do. moves? I do. I think Dubis is running big moves past Shani because Shani's the window to the board, yep. right? I do believe that Living and Hextall both guys who reported to Burke, are running it by him. But I believe they're the guys making the phone calls. They're the guys actually doing this. And oh, you don't pre- think... Okay, you don't no. think that the francophone general manager will be the... No, I don't. I think Jeff Gordon... No, I think Jeff Gordon will be. Well, and we'll see. the the GM in Montreal will essentially be the AGM. Well, I would say depending on who they hire in terms of experience, maybe to start, but I... I I really do think that they will let the general manager be the general manager. But if they hire somebody that has that is inexperienced, right? Mark Burschman was pretty inexperienced. He was actually. He was at the time. What what was his title in Chicago? Director of was he? Uh, what, was he not the AGM there? Was he hop? No, no. He was he was director of hockey op. No, no, not. What was the title? Oh, uh, it it wasn't AGM. Anyways, I, I'm gapping. I'm sorry. Be. This what is I, great yeah. beer, though. Dark and Picante. It's a nine percent. You say? Yeah. Mm. I hear what you're saying. No, yeah, but no, no. You you raise a good point. No, that's valid uh, to to ponder that. And Matthew Darsh, like if if Montreal had their druthers, they would just hire Julian Brisebois away from the Lightning. He's won two straight Stanley Cups and fits yeah. their Quebecois. That's what it comes uh, down to. Who's the best GM in the league? Who's so won the it, Cups to most me, recently? It's yes, that guy. Exactly. The fact that they have a GM of the year award and it doesn't just automatically go to the Stanley Cup winner is a little <laughs> interesting. But but at least Matthew Darsh, who is Quebecois, is his right-hand man, right? Mm. Works with Julian. I'd, I'd at least go, yeah, okay. Like To me, that makes sense. He fits all your criteria. If it's anyone else... No, I don't know. But Daniel Breer is running an ECHL team. Back, Mark Denny is a yeah. uh, running a QMJHL. You can give those guys a shot, but they haven't. This is the thing you limit yourself to when you you want to do the yeah. the francophone thing. Is is there's not necessarily the best candidate anymore. But but this is why I think this was a pretty smart move by by Jeff Molson. Um, to well, I think hiring Jeff Gordon was a great move. To to to, to layer it this way, I just think he's it, trying to pull the. F- well, no, I don't know. He's trying to pull a fast one, yeah. but he's he's still going to be putting um, uh, a francophone in place that yeah. can they can speak to a large segment of a fan base. It's important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in that province uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, and that like I, I'm with you on the surface. I, I, I I'm like a lot of people from the outside. You look at it, it's like, does it really matter? 
you can look at the soccer analogy. How many high-level soccer leagues mm-hmm. around the world bring in a manager that does not speak the local language? Right. And nobody cares as long as you're winning Just and win, you do baby. your job. But it's not the same. Like there, there is a there is a history in this country, um, French and English. Going back, you know, when this country was formed, yeah. Um, there, it, this isn't just about language. This is about culture, and um, yet you, ha- I think we all have to appreciate that that it is different in uh, in Quebec, and for a, a a lot of people that are fans of the Montreal Canadiens that are francophones, it, that does matter. Um, and you got to remember, this is a business, and I can understand Jeff Molson's wondering, well. I mean, this that's a pretty sizable chunk of your potential oh, yeah. customers yeah. here. Yep. And so you have to look at it from that angle as well. So what I, percentage I, of those that, cause you and I, neither of one of us Quebecois, right? Like it, it was, it was interesting to me. I only heard that brought up today. I'm sure it's been mentioned in other places before. Chris Johnston, I heard say it today on his podcast. It's not enough to be fluent in French. You have to be, as you pointed out a little while ago, of the Francophone culture. No. Those are different things. A, and that, so you that, and, and I. And that's the key. It's not about language. Right. It's about culture. It's there's partly a, a language, but that's just but a part it, of it. It's rooted in culture. That's right. So what percentage of that fan base that you and I are fully admitting you know, we don't fully grasp the, the importance of that culture, whatever. We've never been a part of it. What percentage of that fan base or of that part of the, the, the group or the, the province would say, I'd much rather you just hire the best guy than the guy who's from here. Because every other, as you've said, um, from across, you know, high level soccer, especially where you see it the most from different countries, but even across just North American pro sports, no one looks at where you were born. Just look, are you the best candidate available? Montreal is doing it differently. What percentage, as an estimation from a couple of guys sitting here having a beer that aren't part of that, how many of those people or what percentage of that group would you say would go, I'd much rather you just hire whoever, you know, that as opposed to the best guy from here, just get me the best guy. Because there is going to be a well, percentage of that. I, I think there's another way to look at it, different angle, um, is if, if you are Francophone in Quebec and you are a Montreal Canadiens fan mm-hmm. and you, you're, you're a hardcore fan and you're very proud of your culture and your heritage, you're saying, well, of course, a Francophone can right. do that job. And so... It's like the most qualified guy might right, be the best right, guy like for a, the job. A, like, why wouldn't... Like that would be right. like I'm just trying to I, I always try to put myself in other people's yeah. shoes and and how they're 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 viewing it here, and I think this is it, it, this is the dynamic that the Montreal Canadiens and Jeff Molson, who was at the head of it, um, that this is what they have to consider. Yeah. Uh, when when they make decisions like this, so um, I, I I don't know like because on the surface you would think that if it's just about winning, I don't care, but. Like we're, we're we're talking about, I just keep coming back to the culture. We're we're talking about uh, a province that you know has held a referendum whether or yeah. not they're going to secede from the country. And it was razor close, right? Like a razor I mean, thin margin. Like, um, you know, that's 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 a while ago now. Yep. But you know, and and we're talking about still, we just came through a federal election. And how many seats did the air quotes national party that's only based in Quebec win a lot? Yeah. To the point where well, their leader is at the debate. Yeah, I mean, like this. This is why this is this is about culture. This language is part of it. Language is on the surface, right? Underneath that, this this is about culture, and this is where, as a business, the Montreal Canadiens, 
they they don't want to tick off the customers as well. And I can appreciate that. Sure. I really can. So just back to the where we started, I think it's a shrewd move. I think it's a very shrewd move by Jeff Molson. You bring in Jeff Gorton, very qualified hockey guy. You're gonna you're gonna let him bring in a francophone general manager, work in concert with him. Might be an more of an inexperienced person that learns on the job, what have you, and you go from there. So I like the hire. I like Jeff Gordon. I think he's a guy who has done it in a big market, an original six, has, uh, like I said, led a pretty good rebuild. I just think it's not quite on the up and up in terms of how we're phrasing all this, right? Yeah. That, that That's all it is for me. Uh, speaking of ticked off customers. The Toronto Maple Leafs have had one or two of those over uh, over their uh, their history, uh, but they just had the best month. I, I can't believe this, Lloydy. To be honest with you, the best month in franchise history mm. 104, 105 years, whatever the Mr. hell. Mister November, been, right? yeah. <laughs> okay. You happy, Matt? Yeah. You feel warm and fuzzy that they had a yeah, great but I think month it's the in beer. November. It's the warm and fuzziness. You feel it's, great. It's from that nine hey. percent cinnamon <laughs> kick coming from the beer. Um. It's a fair point. It's back to the Habs. It's like Brian Savage was Mr. October. He'd store a, <laughs> score a ton of goals Brian in October Savage. every year. Nice pull. All right. um, look, they just had a great month. Um, everybody playing pretty well, as happens to any team who goes on a run like that. You have some nights where you're absolutely dominant, and you have some nights where you're going, oof, didn't deserve to win that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but things are falling their way right now. Um at this point, I don't know how many Leaf games you've seen, and and we've all said it a thousand times, nothing matters until May or whenever the playoffs start mm-hmm. this year, right? But does this Leaf team to you, because some of the underlying metrics would suggest that that their top guys aren't actually fully firing yet, but those same underlying metrics would tell you some of your bottom guys are overachieving just a little bit. Yeah. What do you make of this version of the Leaf team this Leafs team, based on you know comparing it to last year, comparing it to previous iterations, is there anything at all to be read into a whatever twelve and two, fourteen and two? They've won fourteen of their last sixteen. Mm. Forget the month. Um, is there anything to, at all to be read into that in November? Well, they're they're from a perception standpoint, I they're almost in a bit of a no win situation, right? Sure. They can play as well as they can't play much better than they are right now in terms of getting points and the results. It's just been an incredible run mm-hmm. for the Leafs here. And everybody, in Leaf fans included, not just non-Leaf fans, yeah. will just say, well, okay, great. Yeah. Good for you. Hopefully you're See tracking the right direction, but your final judgment is not now. Right. Nobody's going to care how great your November was no. if you can't get past the first round in the playoffs. We know that. Mm-hmm. But what if they were stumbling out of the gate? What, we wh- saw it. They went two and four, yeah. two and five, and burn yeah. it down, fire everybody. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, ah, you know what? <laughs> I, I watched uh, on Amazon Prime, and I don't know if Keith's the right coach because, oh uh, you know, he <laughs> swore a lot. And <laughs> maybe maybe the message isn't getting through. Well, right. right. And now they've got on this great run. It's mm-hmm. it, it, We've seen this movie before. I mean, um, Washington eventually did win a cup, but it was like, is this, what are they doing here? Right. What's Washington doing? Like, it's, are, are, are they going to be able to punch through? and at least get to a final at some point, and they eventually did, and they won a Stanley Cup. Um, I'll go way back for Sens fans. When you know uh, when, when I was covering uh, the team, um, doing pre- and post-game shows all the time, when they had great teams, mm-hmm. in the, started in the very late 90s and into the early 2000s, yeah. they, have, they have phenomenal teams, like yeah. really, really good teams. It's like, all you right. You make the argument from like 2000 to 
2008, maybe well, best team in the league well, overall. That just it, never quite yeah, got there. Yeah, exactly. They were there. Like it's so. Don't you think that's part of the and it, a bit it, of a tirade? Like Washington, just hang around long enough. Just be good long enough. Because yeah. a big part of it in the playoffs is luck. Well, but like, with Ottawa, it became the thing. Ottawa would be off. Oh, Sens are rolling. You know they're dominating this regular season. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, man. Yeah. We'll we'll see what happens right. if, if they can make any kind of noise in the playoffs. San Jose went through that. San Jose, San Jose maybe was the always best a good team. for like a decade. And it they was were like, great. That was everybody's pet pick. Ah, my pick to come out of the West is San Jose. It's like, yeah, okay. Didn't you I've feel like for before. me, St. Louis too? St. Yeah. Louis, when they finally won, I thought, I'm done. Like I'm done betting on that team. Their windows closed, and then oh look, there it is. Right, yeah. like they finally got it. That was another team that was great for years. Yeah. in the West and just yeah. could not win. So the Leafs are in that. They're in that boat right now. The but Leafs, all those other teams at least won a round. The Leafs are a very good team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry, Matt. I didn't want to dig. I wanted. I didn't want to dig in too hard on you there. But Washington is a great example in that. Yeah, they were winning rounds here and there, but they had all kinds of disappointing loss, almost always to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Right. Maybe. In this comparison, Boston is our Pittsburgh, but yeah, until you went around, there's no reason to believe anything. Like I, I do believe this team looks slightly different. They are more, and and maybe it, you wouldn't have thought it with a 30 year old Jack Campbell, but here's a goaltender who doesn't really seem overly rattled by anything. The 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 defense as a team, not just the actual D, seems to be buying in a little bit more. And when you see the goals that they've scored, even just as recently as out on this California road trip, you got like Matthews on the top of the crease. People don't know, like guy's 6'3", 230 or whatever he is. And when he decides to just get in front and tip like that, I don't know if maybe part of that is the wrist injury because he hasn't been snapping him in with the wrist shot the way he normally, but he's finding other ways to score. Mm. I don't know. There's just something about, look, I'm not dumb enough. I've been kicked in the face over and over and over and over. I'm not sitting here on December 1st going, this is the year I kind of am. I always think that, mm, but, yep. but maybe this, I don't know that they got to win a cup this year, but you got to win at least around and probably two. Like it's not a, a, a successful season. If you just go, Hey, one around and then got punted by Tampa in round yep. two or whatever. But they, at some point, you know, there's weird stuff that just keeps happening to this team. At some point, it's it, as much as anything else, you learn your lessons, all the intangibles, have the good core and hang around for a long time. You do need a certain amount of luck to go your way too. And I, I wonder, you know, when we look back at that Toronto Montreal series last year, what Mark Bergevin's legacy in Montreal is if they, because games five and six go to overtime, if the Leafs win one of those, all of a sudden Toronto fans calm down a little and maybe Montreal fans are not nearly as nostalgic or mm. fond of Mark Bergevin because. You know, he did have a conference final run in 2014, but he's traded away a lot of pieces. They've had some ups and downs. You know, it's just funny how things move on a dime, right? Like, even if the Leafs do beat Montreal in overtime in game five or six, and, you know, maybe Gelchenyuk doesn't throw that pizza out into the middle in overtime, and whatever happens there, and they go on, and even if they lose in seven or something, I think they would have beat Winnipeg, but I thought they'd beat Montreal, so my opinion's fucking worthless on that, right? <laughs> but... If you make it around, things calm down just a little bit, right? And and you go, well, especially okay. for this team. Yeah. I mean, all these players, they're not part of the, the entire history because it's impossible. Like, how many players are left in the NHL 
that played in 0304 yeah. when the Leafs last won a playoff series right. when they beat was the Ottawa Ovechkin, Senators. In who we call games. an old man. That was his draft year. I mean, <laughs> Newendijk had those two goals in Laleem. Yeah. All right. That's the last time the Leafs won. Yes. Sorry, Matt. Okay. I remember that game. I love that game. Yeah. I don't love anything, literally anything that's happened. And, since you know, then. I, and I was, I was, I was covering all the games that year. Um, and just, just from the Sens perspective, I got to say this. And he, I have so much respect for Patrick Laleem. He never said a thing, and he didn't want to make any excuses. He was getting shot up every game. Yes. His knee was done. Oh. And okay. they had no, and they knew that Prusa couldn't play, and he didn't want anybody to know. He took the needle to play. And remember those goals? Short five side. Hole. It was well, kind of like off the one post. One was a five hole, it wasn't it? was going it? down. Yeah, like, okay, that's right. He, um, no, no, listen, I'm not. Was the new No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not we don't know what excuses. happens in the locker room. We I'm, have no idea. I'm just saying that um, uh, I felt so bad for him because everybody dumped on him because yeah. he played excellent. He did. He had those two really bad goals in a very big game. Yeah. Um, but uh, it came out after the fact because uh, – become friends with some of the players that were on that team sure. and talking. He said, Patty was getting the needle. All right. Like that, just, just to play because he knew if he didn't play, they had no chance. Right. <laughs> it was like, right. Yeah, he was kind of the anti-Dominic Hasek who had to feel 100% or I don't play. <laughs> yeah, no. That's interesting, eh? Because, and, and I this is going to come up again, you know, this year with it being an Olympic year is... You know, John Tavares went to the Olympics in 2014 for the, you know, still as a member of the Islanders, had his knee blown out and, you know, ruined the rest of his season trying to play for Canada. Uh, Dominic Hasek was willing to go to the Olympics and play for his country. And yeah, it's never the same for Ottawa. That 06 team might've been better than the 07 team that went to a conference final. Chara was still on it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Like (laughs) that, 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 that team, that, that 06 team and, and Havlat was still there. Right. Char was still there. They that that is the best, the most talented Senators team that they have ever had. Right. And then they had to turn to the rookie and Ray Emery, who admirable. Sure. You know, they yeah. you know, played they they won around. They beat they beat Tampa. That John Tortorella gave us a classic I'm getting tired of the old twenty five percent rule <laughs> with John Graham. Poor John Graham. Just <laughs> threw John Graham right under the bus because he was not good right. at all. But that that's to me that that is that's the best sense team I've ever seen play. Wow. When Hashik was their goalie, the right. first half of the season, it's like, this is a good team. Yeah. And they've got the dominator on the top of his game still. Then Torino happened, and uh, every day, Dom, how are you feeling? Maybe Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Friday. Okay. I'll ask you next week. How, Dom? Maybe Friday. Right. Maybe Friday. All right. <laughs> no, it's he never played. No. No. I remember um, that season – being scared just because, uh, so that's my first year in Belleville, 05, 06, going to college. And, uh, now I had already done a year somewhere else and then had to take a year or two to work and go do something else. I wasn't. Had to find yourself, did you? A little. Hey. Didn't backpack through hey. Europe, but yes. Find some trees. Had to find smoke myself. A few dubs. Let's call it hey. that. Yeah, yes. boy. <laughs> so the, there's the, uh, the lockout year and then my first year in Belleville. Which is for people listening outside the uh, the Ontario, almost not quite, but almost halfway between Toronto and Ottawa. And I went to this uh, the sports bar for the first night of the NHL season. Leafs. Top shots? No, it was uh, Krabby Joe's. Krabby Joe's. Yeah, all right. Brand new at the time. Okay. Twenty nine cent wings. Gorgeous. Ooh. Yeah. Um. And since uh, me and my buddies, we lived like a block and a half away up behind. 
we were there pretty often and uh, had a lot of free pitchers slid across the table to make sure we would keep coming, right? Like yep. by seven. You know, you're a good customer get your just giving free. you free beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, we roll in there that night, Leafs and Sens, and because it's basically halfway between Toronto and Ottawa, pretty split crowd, right? Like there's piles of Sens fans, piles of Leaf fans, and that's the first ever game after the lockout that has the shootout. It, it's also just sorry as, as an aside because yeah. I, I remember taking calls on post game shows for people that are mad. That is the line for blackouts as well. Or it yeah. was then. And it was and, and it depended where you lived in Belleville. Ta- yes, it, it was. was like being in Berlin. What side of the wall you're right. on? Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. We like and you could depending on which team you cheered for like there was groups of houses that would have Saturday night parties. If you're a Sens fan, you go to that party because yeah, they have the Sens game tonight. Yeah, right? Outside of town, it's, it's that's the Leaf Line. Yes, well, exactly. Yeah. Uh, God bless the Leaf Line. Um, <laughs> so that night is um, the infamous Jason Allison slow as dirt shootout attempt. But San I can remember, Jose. yeah, uh, no, it was at Toronto Ottawa, right? But he's playing for the Leafs at the what time. What am I thinking of? Oh, I'm thinking when Friesen. Um, in a game when he's playing for San Jose and Allison and how Oh, okay. Was. No, this was right. game one after the lockout. The Leafs had signed Lindros. Leafs had signed Allison. We were going to kill it. Then we did oh, not is, kill this it. this is the first shootout in history. Yes, and Heatley right after got the lockout. I thought it was Alfie, but it might have been Heatley. I think Heatley I, got the clinch. Or, okay, it could Alfie be. scored as well, though. Yeah, and half this bar is going crazy, and half the bar is pissed right off, and all of a sudden it became like that. Like I said, that's my first time at that bar, and like everybody's, you're like, Okay, we'll all be back here every time Toronto plays Ottawa. Like, and it became yeah. a thing to do because at that time you're still playing each other like eight times mm. per season. But I can remember talking to my buddies at that point, going, "This Senators team with Dominic Hasek is a problem, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is bad news for for anything we're trying to." And again, it's night one after the lockout. We still assume our team's going to be good, right? Like, because. Mm it was before the lockout and now it's not. And so that took some getting used to, but yeah, that senator's team looking at that roster with Dominic Hasek and net, you, that's a problem. And then it turned out, he just decided, I don't really think I'm going to bother with this. So. I hurt my adductor and we, everybody thought abdu- I've heard it. No, there, there is a thing called an adductor and oh. we all, we were all educated on the wasn't just anatomy lesson. Adductor. He had an yeah. adductor issue, which oh. he had an injury. It was a legitimate injury. No doubt. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do we make then, Steve? I wanted to ask you about last year. There was all kinds of talk about the Canadian division or the uh, what was it, the Scotiabank North division uh, being the worst division, and it was soft and anything anyone was accomplishing didn't count. Um, what the Leafs did, and I don't think we ever hung our divisional title banner uh, in Toronto. <laughs> we didn't hang our North. I like division. how you say we. Hey. Yeah, hey, uh, yeah, I don't hide it. You, I, gotta, you a, got a tapeworm? There is a who's we. <laughs> there, is a, there is a part of me that does admire them for not hanging that banner. Okay. Like that, the ghost don't do it. Like you're just gonna get ripped for. We hung a Bon Jovi again. We uh, at the Air Canada Center. We hung a Bon Jovi banner that did not go over well. Um, he'd played there like twelve is times. That still there? I don't think it is. I think did when they take uh, it down. Yes. Okay. I think after the, I think the post Tim Liewicki era, it came down. I believe. Now, now they hung it because that was the first gig when they opened the building. Correct. No, the hip was the first. Was it? Were they, it was were, just he had played there the most times, and so he had sold more were the tickets. Hip the first, the yeah, first act the, to play the ACC. Yep. Before anything oh. else happened, it was okay. the hip. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, the hip also opened up my campus pub back in the day, the Outpost. Yeah. Way back. The hip right. also opened up the General Motors Center at the time in Oshawa, which uh, you know what? Cheers good. to the hip. God okay. love the hip, eh? Right. Cheers to the hip. 
uh, well represented here in the studio. So don't even remember um, what the hell I was trying to. Hmm. ACC, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Bon Jovi banners, right? That's all. Uh, <laughs> I admired that they didn't hang a divisional mm. title banner for the North. But last year, there was all sorts of talk that it maybe was the weakest division, and you know, you you could make the argument at times that maybe it was. But towards the end, Sens were pretty good. The Habs ended up making that late push despite their. You know, they had COVID issues at the time and had to shut down for a while. I actually, at the beginning of last season, said Calgary would win the division. Uh, they did not uh, come mm. close to doing that. Uh, Vancouver, I never thought was any good, but Edmonton, I thought would be good. Calgary would be good. Winnipeg would be good. Toronto would be good. And I thought Montreal would sort of be right there around the that fourth spot, which is where they ended up being. That being said, now in hindsight, all these teams have gone back into their other divisions. Montreal is much worse than they were last year. I do think the the run to the cup final for Montreal was an aberration. I also think this is an aberration. They're not this bad, I don't think. Um, Ottawa did what Toronto did for like a decade where once the pressure was off and you were eliminated, you you yeah, zing off a bunch of wins exactly. and, and have a big you're finish. You're loose, you're playing teams, it's like whatever, playing right. a lot of kids. Vancouver got ravaged by COVID late in the year but turned out to be and bad. And they weren't anyway, very good either. I don't not. think they really... Um, Demko's a heck of a goalie. Yep. But, you know, Markstrom, I think that affected him early last yes, season. Yes, I, I agree with you there. Tanev went to Calgary as well. That affected that was huge, huge, big time. Blanket. Yep. Um, as well. Uh, Pedersen was injured a lot. Yeah. As well. I sort of thought... Look, everybody... I'm not taking anything away from any team that did well in the bubble the summer before, right, when everything was crazy. But at the same time, I'm like, this is a weird world, and I'm not... If you were terrible or if you were great, I'm sort of taking it all with a grain of salt. And so Vancouver winning a couple rounds there, I kind of went, maybe, but they weren't great the year after and are not great again this year. So as we... I think you and I are on the same page. I think, sorry, my my biggest surprise, I was shocked how bad Calgary was. Yeah. I love their offseason heading into lot yep, that year. Me too. The moves that they made, I thought, all right, I think Calgary can be really yeah, good. Yeah, I had this them one Toronto two in the division uh, last year. I, I had I had three teams that were clearly I thought that Winnipeg, Toronto, and Calgary right. were gonna be the class of that division. Right. I thought those I thought there's gonna be those three and there's gonna be a clear separation after that. So coming into this year, I thought Toronto would still contend, but maybe would finish behind Tampa and it would be Toronto and Florida. Now that we're back in the Atlantic division competing for second there. Um, I don't know. I sort of got nervous about picking Calgary again after how bad they were last year. I expected Vegas would win that division. They've been ravaged with injuries, but even when they've been closer to healthy, they haven't looked great. And that Edmonton would probably be two there. Um, but Calgary and Edmonton look great. Winnipeg has looked really good. Toronto has looked really good. And then you have Vancouver, Ottawa, and Montreal who have been I think on all three counts, worse than I expected. I didn't expect any of them to be great, but I didn't expect any of them to be this bad. With that being said, in retrospect, was the Canadian division last year the worst division in hockey? We have four really good teams and three really bad teams in Canada. This yeah, year. it's... I don't know. I, I I don't think it was a great division, to be honest with you. Last year, I really, I really don't. And I right. thought that I know... Going back to you know through the the senators' lens on on this one at the start of the year, I remember the owner saying and the GM as well that oh it's this Canadian division they thought it was that's going to be really tough, 
you know, uh, if there's going to be a lot of really good teams. And I'm, at the time, I, I didn't really buy it because I started looking at, well, you'd be in the Atlantic. Tampa. So you're not playing Boston. Right. You're not playing Tampa. Turns out Florida was a good team yep. uh, on the rise as well. Yeah. And now I would say um, if it was the Canadian division again this year, Ottawa would have a much better chance of making the playoffs than they would in this current Atlantic division. Like they don't have a prayer. Um, and the way they're playing, they, they only they got to beat Montreal and Vancouver with the way that they're playing. Yeah, but like, that's interesting. Seriously, like yeah. all, all, okay, as bad as Ottawa There's is still right three now, three bad teams in Vancouver and Montreal. Yeah, so that's okay. That's two teams you can be better in, and you're yeah. going to play more often. Yes, because you're in that division no, with that's them. True. Yeah. So, like uh, when I look at it that way, like it's a it, it's a lot harder to make the playoffs. I know for Ottawa this year, regardless mm-hmm. of, of how crappy their start's been, which is exactly like last year. Yeah, I think they're in a much um, tougher division now than they were last year. Do you still believe in Boston? It's hard until I, someone punts them out. It's hard not to, but... I, I've had this discussion. There's some people, ah, oh, this is a year. You know, now yeah. they've lost. Now Rask is gone. Maybe he's coming back. Maybe, yeah. Uh, Krejci's gone here. Like, you know what? Is the window closing? Char is aged out. But, man, there's something about the Bruins. They just... That that top line... Yeah. And Marshan's been the suspended perfection. again. Yes. But, you know, pa- David Pasternak is... He mm-hmm. is unbelievably skilled. I, I, I don't, I don't yes, think I'm, he's appreciated even as much as he should be. <laughs> he's he like a goal such, a game against Toronto. He is such a good player. <laughs> yes. And Patrice Bergeron's a fine wine. He, he, he's just a, he's just a, a smart player. Well, so we've level. been debating this on this show for a while now. He, he's he, slowing down a little. Do you still have room on your Olympic team for Patrice Bergeron? I do. Yeah? I do. Yeah. I, I have him as my fourth line guy. It's going to kill penalties, and I need a right side face off. Yeah. Patrice, get out there. Would you still Kill be willing to play him as high? We've seen Crosby, Bergeron, Marchand. Would you be willing to do that still? Mm, maybe spot duty. Right. Right. But that. But that's the beauty. Yep. He's still a skilled enough guy yeah. that y- you could Swiss Army that guy. He's got. He's got the experience. He's got. He's got the wins. He. He can do. You need I a think face I off. agree, but you need do you not kill think the penalty. You want me to like you have an injury? Uh, in is a that not position? Couturier now or O'Reilly now? Like I, I do admire the experience. Like I'm not sure I'm ready to write him off either. He's but got there a are four goal game this year. Okay, yeah, <laughs> like he's that does he, that does. He, he's not done. No, like, he's, he's not. He's 36 years old, but he, this guy is not done. He is still playing at a pretty high level. Yeah, um, and. It's easy to just go down. All right, let's pick the team who's got the most points and let's put them on the team. Yeah. I mean, no, you're right. You need I, some I've, elements. I've there. got Patrice Bergeron on my Olympic team okay. right now. Now that can change. Yeah, we'll, we'll see in the next month. I, I, I you know, we're not going to do three hours here today. No. That's another show. Sure, but I, I'm not convinced they're going. Uh, that's interesting. I'm not convinced they're going. I to was the a little more like Senators when they shut down. Islanders shut down. Um, yeah. Oilers cancel practice today. Yep. CC's got uh, COVID. Yep. Cassidy went into COVID protocol. Uh, new variant. I I don't know. When they announced Jan it. Jan 10th is the date. When they announced in. it with that opt-out date of January 10th, how confident were you then compared to now? More confident then than sure. I am now. At the time At, that be, they made that announcement, I was probably 80-20. 90 10 like they're gonna go do this i'm 60 40 now no you. yeah no at this point i'm i might be 50 50 now yeah like i that just it's getting worse and worse and i guess we sort of knew that was gonna happen in the winter but now the extra variant throws well, that into 
But let, 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 let's not kid ourselves. The NHL is, and there is truth to this. I'm not, I'm not going to totally throw them under the bus. <laughs> Health and safety of everybody is paramount. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes. We can all agree on that. Yep. But let's get right to it. If you don't go to the Olympics, it's because you've had to postpone so many games and you're worried about going to the Olympics with a variant in play. How many of my players will get yes. COVID over there and that risk? And that will hurt the business and of the all NHL. Of that is compounded You'll on... have to gas a season early again yes. or something like that. And, and all and... that's compounded on top of the normal worry yes. about Dominic Hasek getting hurt, John Tavares getting hurt. No, but but this... now this is above and beyond. Oh yeah, this thing, Matt, I mean, this, this is about, we've seen it. This is about, we can't play. Right. We have to stop the season. And the owners have to lose gobs of money again. Yeah. Well, and especially like they're talking about this charter for the Olympics leaving from the all-star game, right? And I can't believe, I can believe Why it. Why are we because having the all-star game? It's money. It's always I know money. it is. They're I, trying I know to recoup. Answer, I know but... you know, but they're going to have this all-star game in Vegas. And if I'm a player now, half the fun of the all-star game is the festivities away from the fans that still take place at an all-star game amongst the boys, right? That's not going to happen. They're they're already talking about shutting it down, hotel, rink, hotel, rink, because then you're on a charter with all the league's best players to Beijing. If the virus is on that plane, everybody in the league's best two or three guys is down. I mean... Can you imagine? I'm not convinced we're going. I'm far less convinced now. I was pretty certain based on the fact that, look, they'll never be the NBA, but they want a piece of that. Chinese TV market. Absolutely. Like, but this is, it's getting worse. Not going to South Korea was all about leverage yeah. because all the rhetoric that came out, oh, it's it's too far away. It's like, it's a time zone or two away from where you're, we know you're going to go the next <laughs> exactly. next go around. <laughs> and in the other direction, the very first time you went was Nagano. Yes. And that was a time zone or two away the other side. To set the table Give for Utah, break. though, Come on. Right? For Salt Lake. Like, this was yeah. about leverage, and, yes, and I can understand why, because the IOC, I, it is ridiculous. Yeah. How often do we get to see Crosby's goal? We see stills. <laughs> yes. Right? Because of copyright, <laughs> because the IOC owns it. Like, give me, come on. It's ridiculous. The golden goal. Yeah, the golden goal. Here's a still of a Ginla stealing the puck. Right. And Crosby's arms are in the air. Right. It's a great replay. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's like watching uh, boxing highlights in 1991 or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Want to stills. come over and watch the stills on the, yeah. on the news? <laughs> uh, good stuff. All right. So we'll, before we move on, we've made our way through the, uh, if I'm being honest, I don't know what's in a, uh, a Mexican cake. This is supposed to be a Mexican cake stout, uh, but I'm sure there's a lot of cinnamon because that's the the flavor that's left. Now on Now that we've we finished that, yeah, that's I'm, I got the burning cinnamon palette right now, <laughs> right? It's yes, sitting there for sure, right? So we're gonna move into something else. All right. uh, I'm gonna let you tell us about this one because you are the uh, the Ashton guy, and this yeah. is from the Ashton Brewing Company. This is uh, the Ashton IPA. Which is, uh, it is, and it's in the pink can. Nice. Okay. Um, you know, supporting uh, cancer research, Breast Cancer Society of Canada. And there it is. You love that. Hmm. So uh, shout out to a uh, friend of my show, friend of your show, Michaela Schreider, hmm. and uh, her husband, Josh. They were ba- uh, they were over on the, uh, on the weekend and dropped me some Ashton, which uh, honestly, out of all this, the breweries. This is Michaela's? Yeah. Michaela, I'm drinking your beer. <laughs> so. 
There you go, Michaela. Dra- they drank enough of mine. It's okay. Right. okay. Right? That's the trade-off. So, uh, no, but, um, you know, she had plenty of, plenty to say. She said, you'd got a host with. Good guy. She seemed to like working with you. So. Well, I... Um, and she co-hosted here for a long time before... Uh, this was the deal, I'll say before I... Now that I've yanked the microphone back out of your hands there. Uh, last winter, with CFL down and uh, her previous show, That's What She Said, kind of having been knocked out as well off TSN 1200... She jumped on here. She was co-hosting every week mm-hmm. and a uh, lot of fun. Awesome, right? Like great takes, but also great, great taste in beer, which no. is really the important thing to make it around here. Yeah. And then this, you know, late in the summer, she's got, uh, she's got game up now on the TSN radio network. If you mm-hmm. haven't checked that out, it's also available as a podcast. You can sc- subscribe there, but also the Mouchoir podcast on yes. the CFL got back up and over. So she's taken a bit of a step back from TCA for now, but we'll she's see She's big time in you. A little bit, a little Let, bit, Let's though. throw Michaela right under the bus, yeah. shall we? Hey. Yeah. She can no, take it. That's right. So um, uh, we'll see in the new people. year. She is good people, and uh, she had nothing but good things to say about well, the uh, last, co-hosting um, with you. Yeah, the the last show I did um, on, well, on remote before the pandemic hit mm. was with Michaela. Right. We were, she was uh, filling in as a as a co-host. And we did a show from the stands at the arena at TD Place, the Civic Center, mm. for at the very start of the Elite Eight basketball tournament when okay. they hosted with the national championships. Nice. And Michaela and I um, did a show there. And that's the last time, then until about a month ago, I started doing shows again at the rink. Right. And in between that, it was be beside dollhouses at my place for the shows. <laughs> So there you go. Get out of here, Barbie. I'm trying to do That's a damn right. show. Taking over the kids' playroom. Yes. No, I had, um, I can remember, I don't know, it was last fall now. So the pandemic at that point is maybe eight months old. So I went down, uh, was hanging out at my parents' place and there was a, it, it was a room, but it wasn't a room. It used to be the, the kind of sliding door that would take you out onto the deck, mm. but they had built a big garage behind it or beside the house. So now it was sort of a breezeway and it had a roof and a sliding door at the other end. And so it was, it wasn't warm, but it was now sort of a boxed in little hallway out to the deck. And I could use that to record, right? Cause no one else was out in there and it was, it was whatever, but it became this sort of secret little back room. Anyway, I come back a couple times and my, my niece would have had her dollhouses or whatever set up all over the place. And I would go to start the show and I would find out that my nephew, who at the time is like two, has turned every knob on the mixer that's set up in there to whatever the levels are completely crazy. My guests are having their ear, you know, their earlobes blown out or whatever. So everybody's adapting a little bit, right? No, I I, I had that conversation with my kids. Please don't. When I was starting, I'm like, this gear is not mine. <laughs> it was dropped off. Right. So dad can work at home. <laughs> Do not touch it. Dad does not want to have to replace it. Right. This costs a lot of money. We had... Uh, Don't touch, please. Mid-pandemic at some point, Tim McAuliffe was on. We did it remotely. And uh, for those who were formerly of Tim and Sid, now Tim and Friends, as Sid has moved on to be the uh, breakfast television host there on, uh, on City TV. Tim and I had a hell of a time getting up and going. And I can remember Tim saying to me, I have thousands of dollars worth of Rogers equipment in here to get me on television live and to get me on the radio live. Mm. All of it is top end and to come on here, he just, it would not work. And we did the show on his son's $49 Xbox 
USB headset is how we end up doing this. He's like, I have every piece of broadcast gear you can imagine in this room. It's not so going. He was thinking, all right, I'm going to wow this podcast yeah. guy in Ottawa. Yeah. I'm going to do the crystal clear because I got the high-end yeah. gear here, and it wouldn't work. It was the Xbox headset. And Perfect. I can remember telling him at the time because uh, my usual co-host, Rob, who's uh, all of you listening will know, obviously, he said, that's the guy you're going to lose the big boy broadcast voice you know, showdown with. It's Tim McAuliffe, right? He's got the, that that deep baritone. But once he hit that USB Xbox headset, it took him up a notch or two and it let me be the uh, the baritone yes. on the show. So <laughs> you, um, could be, you could be Barry White again. Exactly, right. man. So uh, look, there's one more thing we wanted to hit on on this one. As we sit here right now, uh, but by the time the good listener hears this, we'll already be uh, into a baseball lockout. And we haven't really seen an MLB work stoppage since 94-95. Stop. Stoppage. Stop. <laughs> that, that ripped my heart out as an Expos Oh, fan. no, he's an Expos guy. Like That's the Montreal Expos <laughs> were my favorite sports team, full stop, any sport. Really? I was a bigger baseball fan than a hockey fan. Yeah. And Tim Raines is my hero. Nice. Uh, I am an Expos guy through and through, and I Grand was. Orange. I was Before your time, maybe. I was yeah. at school at the time, and I was between first and second year, and you make all kinds of new friends living in dorm in first year. One yeah. of them was a buddy of mine from Beaconsfield. Obviously, people that don't know, suburb of Montreal, okay? <laughs> and we arranged, we were going to live together the following year. Sure. Uh, on campus, they had townhomes. It was me, him, and two other guys on these townhomes, still part of the residence. Anyways. Yeah. And we moved in, and he arrived the same day, and the lockout had already started, and we're wondering if it's going to, and we just looked at each other, and we arrived, and because he's a massive fan, we both just, Fuck. Right, and that's the first thing we said to each other, and that said it all. Yeah, because we we they had the best team in Major League Baseball, and it shut down. Best Sorry, record you mentioned time, that, and look what I did. I swore. Thank you. I was Sorry. trying not to swear today. That's okay. We do and, better. And here we are. The but. big boss man also swore on here when he was on. He, okay. he denies it, but all uh, right. Um, no, look, it's. I don't know. I always take umbrage because really, what do I care? I was 11 years old at the time, but. We've seen a thousand times that the best team in baseball doesn't always win the World Series, so I, I'd like to hold that I, over. But they were going to make it. Yes. They were going to make the postseason. You're right. And that was going to be there something. Might, to be fair, I'm talking about the front end, whether they would or would not have won the World Series. I don't know that any city was harmed more on the backside of it, right, in terms of killing the interest in, in baseball mm. than Montreal. So. Maybe that's a part of the reason why. They, apparently, they're getting half of the raise here no, shortly. We'll, we'll see what that. that. We'll see how that goes. But as we sit here right now, we are clearly heading into a lockout. We don't know yet whether or not it will impact opening day or spring training. But baseball's economics have been out of out of whack for a while, and one of the things that people talk about is just how many teams over the last year, you know, several years, to sit it out. Right, just go, well, we're not one of the eight teams most likely to win, so they just don't spend anything. And you have two-thirds of the league that just doesn't spend. And that would piss off the players, right? That just go, no, you should all be trying to win all the time, which then would mean more players get paid. But as we sit here right now, um, heading into this lockout, owners have gone insane 
spending money. They're not feeling any pinch economically by the looks of it. Uh, The Texas Rangers, who have been terrible for several years now, and I don't know that that changes with the two signings that they've made, have spent half a billion dollars this week on middle infielders alone. Um, This is getting nuts. We saw Max Scherzer get $43 million per year uh, for three years out of the New York Mets. The Blue Jays... Uh, let their Cy Young winner go, but have brought in uh, Kevin Gosman, and that has not been cheap. I don't think they're done. That's a $100 million contract. Yeah. Uh, on the heels of signing Jose Barrios. And Springer, the offseason before, $100 million contract. Right. So I think, you know, as Blue Jays fans... I can't say that now. I don't know. You're, you were the, an Expos the, the, fan. The Maybe Blue, you are. No, no, li- listen, the Blue Jays are back to what yeah. I remember the Blue Jays being in, in the early to mid-90s, <laughs> yeah. whereas the Blue Jays spent with the big boys yes. all the time. And they should. They, the size it, of this market and the ownership. It was it, like they were always going for it. They were in. They they were they were Yankee-like and Dodger-like in today's day and age, and like... Big names available, of course the Blue Jays are in right. on that conversation. Right. And and it ended the last kind of real big one is when they got Roger Clemens. Yep. And he, he won two Cy Youngs because they traded him away. Yeah. But the, the team wasn't very good. It was not. And since then, so that was when did they trade him? Ninety six, ninety seven, something was, like that. It was right in that area, yeah. And since then, that's went through a number of years where the Jays they just um, the brand kind of faded. Big time in Toronto, well, and Alex Anthopoulos stepped off the curb in, and made yes. those deals yes, in, in the middle of that and season. 16, yeah. And since then, and and we could talk about maybe they should have kept him, whatever. But they're in a good place now. Yeah, um, and they're spending like they they are a big market spending team. Mark Shapiro used to say, if this is handled correctly, Toronto is a behemoth waiting to happen. And I think they're 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 performing like one they're spending mm-hmm. like one mm-hmm. which is great um one of the things i wonder though is uh, one of the things that was so infuriating heading into that 2012 nhl lockout it's funny that we have to date them right gary has several work stoppages on yeah. his resume so we started the 2012 2013 season midway through january of 2013 Going into that 2012 lockout, you saw the Minnesota Wild spend like $180 million on Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. Like, okay, I don't know what the rules are going to be. Things are going to be different. Things are going to change. I better get my guys now. And then you're going to turn around and go, we can't afford this. I wonder what, if anything, you think will change heading into this lockout with, with baseball. And they're doing as well as they've ever done off TV money and, and things like that. But they're clearly, I think most baseball reporters would have told you there was going to be a bit of a hold, see what happens, what the new rules are going to be, and then all the big names would sign coming out of the lockout, and it's gone the exact opposite. Everyone has tried to do as much as they possibly can going into this lockout. No. And the the court of public opinion, do they give a shit? Well, every team, and I think some players are thinking, no, bird in the hand, man. Yes. Get it now. Let's push this over the finish line. I don't want to be playing a game of musical chairs if the lockout happens 
and and pitchers and catchers are reporting within a matter of weeks yeah. in mid February. Yep. And I'm wondering, hey, listen, the Jays benefited from that. That's how they got Simeon mm-hmm. on the one off last year. Yeah, that's right. Right. So I, I think a lot of teams and players, um, but mostly teams, the money's being thrown around. They're, they're like, all right, you know what? Just do this. Let's get them. But do doesn't it. that prove that this is unnecessary? Apparently, you have the money. Mm-hmm. Like that's the they're. I don't think anyone's talking about coming out of this with a hard cap or anything. Like I know, but but I, I think the fact that, and that's kind of human nature, there's a deadline in place. Yeah. It's somewhat artificial because business will continue right. whenever it resumes, yeah. right, after the CBA freeze. But everybody that's like, oh, wait a minute, we're not allowed to do anything after a certain point in time. <laughs> there's, there's a deadline. Right. We got to do this. We, we, it we, is we, funny we, how we... got to we... get it, take care of our business. And I think that that has played into it big time. Yeah. Do you make, uh, we saw, I, I'm sure you saw it. It was a big thing and it became a discussion. Carlio, Carlio, that, sorry guys, it's that 9% beer that we just wrapped <laughs> up with. What is this one? This has got to be closer to five, isn't it? This is, I think it's five on the nose. All right. On Tuesday morning, Carlo Koliakovo, former NHL defenseman and now of uh, TSN 1050, Cards on the table, sister station to uh, TSN 1200 mm-hmm. that employs Steve Lloyd here. But he, Carlo tweets out that the, the amount of money that's being thrown around by these uh, baseball teams, it's unbelievable that NHL players aren't making anywhere close to that. And my first reaction is you were part of the union that negotiated and said yes to the hard cap. And that's ignoring the fact that baseball and the NFL and the NBA all make a ton more money than hockey. And once you agree to a linked system where you get 50% of the league's revenues, then it's it's baked into the pie, right? Whatever the league makes, you get half of it. I'm not obviously going to ask you to dump on Carlo Coley. Maybe you agree with him. I'll hand this to you. No, but, I don't. I don't agree with him. But there is a certain amount of... This I, is, I understand they're, what you're saying. A, they're apples and oranges, though, right? Like, and I, I and I know that the mothership TSN Sports <laughs> picked up on it, and they did a a graphic on their Twitter feed of McDavid and Scherzer. Yes. Okay, <laughs> here's the thing: Major League Baseball, the revenue as a league is more than double than the NHL. Right. Let's start right there. Okay. Yeah. The models are different, and it goes no further. Before it's, I hand this back, there's a 82. NHL yep. games per yep. season, 162 baseball games per season, 20,000 at most in most NHL arenas, like 50,000 at most in, in baseball mean, stadiums. The revenues are just not close to it, the same. It, the, the, the NHL is like it's just MLB is just get off like just flicking flies off the shoulder. Like yes. the MLB makes so much more money right. Right. in revenue, branding, all of it. It's not even close. It's more than double. Yes. So, of course, your stars are going to make more right. in MLB. And the other part of it is the model is different. The NHL has a salary cap. Mm-hmm. Their revenue sharing sucks. It's better than it used to be, but it's not mm-hmm. like ma- like Major League Baseball. Right. The NHL has a salary cap floor. Mm-hmm. The NHL is more socialist and communist. <laughs> That way, I like that. Than yeah. MLB, it yeah. is. No, right? you're right. You're right. You know, it is. We'll I'm, all meet in the I'm middle. I'm Joe Nobody. Okay, I make the NHL for the first time. My minimum salary in U.S. dollars. What is it now? 
Seven fifty. It's eight, something like that. It's for the, at least seven fifty. The league minimum. League yes. minimum. Yeah. How much money did Vladimir Guerrero Jr. make last year, Matt? I actually have no idea. Not even seven. Woo-hoo. Okay. Now he's going to make them pay for that, but. right? <laughs> and now he's getting to his arbitration. Yes. Like it's fine to say, oh, I can't believe what Max Scherzer's making and all this. It's like okay. Now the stars, Major League Baseball pays their stars an obscene amount of money. Yep. They do. It's it. They do. Yeah, we're no, seeing they, it right now. Yes, the revenue is a lot larger. So, but like to make a statement like that, oh, this is you're implying. Oh, I can't believe this. this is absolute BS. It's like okay, now go through what you cut through the stars, and the stars in any league are a very small percent. Yes. Let's go through the rank and file here. NHL players arrive in the league, and their league minimum is pushing eight hundred thousand US. Mm-hmm. MLB, it's much less than that. Right, Vladdy, you got guys sleeping in their cars in AAA. Oh, <laughs> it's, Vladdy did well. Yes. It's like th- th- there are guys that like Vladdy's uh, experience in MLB that don't make what he made. He didn't even make seven hundred grand last year. Right. I mean, so it's it's. It's a different system. It's different dynamic. Don't focus on just what the stars are making, because I know that that's that's sexy. It's like I can't believe this. I mean, yeah, God, it's it, wow, what's going what on? This on. is BS. Yeah. It's like, well, hang on here. Let let let's go through uh, the depth of most teams in Major League Baseball and what these guys are making as younger players, and compare it to the younger players in the NHL. There are guys in the NHL doing better, a lot better. Yeah, no, you're right about that. At the bottom end, especially as you're coming up, as you're getting paid through the minor league system, a guy like Vladdy, who first does dad's money and support or whatever, but he also, as a, a guy identified, you know, very early on to have all this potential, he gets a signing bonus and yeah, his annual salary Yeah, sucks. out of the gate, he got the, but. But yeah, you're right. They're all those guys who don't. Man, double-A, triple-A baseball players, we're seeing it. Like, they're bucking against this system that are well, like... And they finally did change that. They're going to pay these guys a yes, bit more. Yes, finally. finally. And at least give them some housing or oh, something. It was, it was, it was brutal. Gr- it was gross. It really was. I see some of the pictures on social media of guys say, hey, this is me. It's a mattress on the floor in the corner. Living the dream, trying to become a Yankee. Playing double-A ball. Yeah, exactly. Wherever. What do you think, then, this lockout is about? Like, what's the problem? To me, uh, this is what I would like to see for baseball. Because honestly, I like baseball's model. Almost. Almost. With the NHL, what I don't like, and I know Gary wants parody, and he's got piss and parody, and I get all that. Uh, Race to the middle. That's fine. But I would love to see a luxury tax system in the NHL Mm -hmm. with meaningful baseball-like revenue sharing. And And this is where baseball fails, and you touched on it inadvertently earlier. The fact I do. That, all my best points are the fact that there is no floor in baseball is a joke, yeah. and this is why you've seen the Pittsburgh Pirates, case Kansas City Royals at times. We mentioned our buddy Tim the, McAuliffe. He the, tweeted out the Florida Marlins that, you know, at that times Max as well. Scherzer is now making more than four different teams yeah, are spending. The, it's, it's like the Guardians <laughs> are one of them. That's the old the Cleveland Pirates, Indians. I think. Like there was a few, that and are. Uh, the Orioles are <laughs> yes. another one. Anyways. Big signing for the Orioles, Rudin and Odor today. Yeah, but the you know what? I always maintain, I know Jay's fans going to tick you off here. I'm sorry. Don't do it. He had a faster right hand. Okay? You got to give him credit because Bautista was ready to throw as well, and and Odor got his punch off first. I'm sorry. 
These are the facts. I think Rudin Odor is going to be a great shipbird. Okay. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously. Um, with with if MLB, I think this is my this is what it's about on one side. Get a floor in place. If I'm a player, get yeah. a floor in place. You here. have to spend. And, and if I'm a yes. fan, I want. If I'm a fan, get a floor in place because I'm sick and tired of seeing teams that just say, you know what, screw it. We're not We're in not it this spending. year, so we won't spend. Revenue sharing is phenomenal in this league. I don't have to spend on the roster. And this their is regional a business. TV deals I'm are gonna incredible. I'm going to make a lot of money. Gambling's coming in. Yeah. I'm, I'll spend peanuts on my salary for my players. I don't care. Yeah. It's like, it, like it, I don't care. I'm making money as an owner by doing nothing. I don't even have I don't care. Well, great. We have 9,000 tonight. I'm still making money. Yes. And because there's no floor. Well, it's similar to the salary NFL. cap fl- salary cap floor in that luxury tax format. Yeah. I think could work. The NFL obviously a completely different monster, but they're making money before they sell ticket one off oh. their TV deals, right? And oh no, so, no fans last year. Yeah, oh, we're okay, fine. Great. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. So you start to see that now, um, you know, in baseball, as you start to sell tickets and and their but their regional TV deals keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's funny that you bring up you know the idea of a floor. That might hurt a team like Tampa, who does it all properly, like in terms of player development. But once it's time to make money, you're gone. They trade you. It's what. And then you look at a team like the Dodgers. Unless you're Wander Franco. Well, we'll see in three years, right? <laughs> I'm yeah. with you. Um, I don't think he's going to be a Ray for long term. Although, well, Evan he'll look great in was Montreal. there quite a while. That's yeah. the last big one that they did. That's right. I, I just think like the Blue Jays are trying to find. They're going to be a level below. But maybe not far below what the Dodgers have tried to do. The Yankees throw money at everything. Tampa won't spend money on anything, but they have this brilliant analytics department and and sports science department. And LA has, while maybe having a slightly bigger budget than the Blue Jays, has sort of found this balance on how to do both. And I think that's what the Blue Jays are trying to do right now. Like maybe be 80% Yankees, 20% Tampa. And they have some money, and they're willing to spend it, it looks like, but they're looking to spend it smartly. And we keep hearing, and I don't know, maybe it's not totally incorrectly, but I do think it's a little overblown about Pete Walker, right? The the pitcher whisperer and how he's fixed all these guys. But we don't talk about Shun Yamaguchi, and we don't talk about like the guys that um, Tanner Rourke, it hasn't worked with, right? And that's fine. I, I think Pete Walker and the Blue Jays pitching, coaching – has had more wins than losses, but at the same time, the that comes has from behind. Over the years, yeah, right? it has. Funny, it, it absolutely has. He was a bum, yeah, to a lot of fans. But and all of all of a sudden, he's he's the magic man. Yeah, of course, because it's gone well now, right? So we love him. But there is a huge sports and like sports science department behind him that he's the front man for, and they very similar to the Dodgers and very similar to the Rays look at the scientific side of it and go, okay, I think that guy will fit what we're trying to... They don't bring in someone and hope Pete Walker will fix him. They bring in guys that they think already exhibit things that with this minor tweak, we can do that. And so I'm excited about what the Blue Jays are doing right now in terms of, yeah, obviously stepping up and spending money, but it does appear to be spent more smartly. And, And there was a time where I, like many Blue Jays fans... Did not love the Shatkins regime, right? The Shapiro yeah. and Atkins. 
they've done everything they said they were going to do. They were going to rebuild the farm system, and then when it was time, they would spend. That's exactly what they've done. Well, I'm, the last, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I, I was at the front of that line. Like I, I, I couldn't believe that because and Alex Anthopoulos just won a World Series. Yeah, love Alex. And he went to L.A. and did great things for the Dodgers mm-hmm. in between, became yep. the GM there. Got a start when he was a young kid with the Expos back in the day, yeah. as well. Um, but he, um, I, we go back to like you remember that summer. Mm-hmm. That was they were five hundred when they made that those was. Trades. I mean, that took some balls. Yep. And it seemed and, like I'm out of here one way or another. Well, so. and, and he, no, <laughs> but you got to have support from ownership because he yeah. brought in a lot of money. So well, obviously, that in, right? obviously, he saw him. something in in the group that he had. He says, "Listen, I I think." Hear me out here. He's, he's speaking to, <laughs> I need the money to do this. Yeah. Hear me out. If I go big right now, I really think we got something here. Yeah. And we're getting, we're drawing flies. And I think we can reinvigorate the brand of the Blue Jays again. Yeah. And ownership gave him the go ahead. And, and it all in the long run did not all work out. But it was like the David Price deal. And I know Tulo wasn't perfect, but you, mm-hmm. you, you do that trade as well. Ben Revere. Ben Revere comes in, in from the Phillies. Yep. and. And they they just added to it. As I like, was in a I was at a game in Toronto. It was like you know what second week of April twenty fifteen. There's like thirteen thousand of us. Yeah, I was at a game late August twenty fifteen, sold out. Yeah, Minnesota Twins. Like yeah. again, not a huge draw, but just holy shit, this team's on fire. But it, it, but it was like that for years. Like I, yeah. I like I spent um uh, I I lived in Toronto for the spring and summer of two thousand one. Right. Back, I, I was hired. I went and launched the team radio network at the time. The infamous. Infamous, yep. Uh, so I was a part of that, and I, I got hired back to be the Sens guy anyways, right. um, just before 9-11. That was great. The first day back at the <laughs> building was, was, honestly, my first day back in Ottawa was 9-12. Holy crap. So I walked back in. It's like, hey, Lloydie's back. sports to talk about. And, uh, yeah. uh, anyways. It's been a rough day. But I went to a few Jays games. Um you know, uh, on the company dime, <laughs> you know, but, but the, it wasn't like there's was a shortage of seats. It was like, Hey, who wants to go Yeah, to no, Chase for game? sure. Hey, we got tickets. Please buy popcorn. And there was nobody yeah. there. Right. Right. And, but and for years, you know, from the mid nineties up until Anthopolis, what he did, mm-hmm. right. You know, the, the Jays were, it's like, man, like, does anybody care about the Jays? All right. Right? You yep. you know. Like, I do. And that's yeah. the way it was. It was not hard to get lower bowl, like behind third base no. seats, just so, walk up day of. Like. I, I, but I, anyways, get back on point. I give a lot of credit to him. He started it. Yep. He he deserves a lot of credit for, for, for getting Jay's baseball back in the GTA and then flowing across the country. And I was very skeptical. It's like, what are they doing? Just pay this guy. Hire him. Yep. I, I know yep. that you already put the wheels in motion. Stop those wheels in motion. Sure. Yeah. Keep this guy. I'll, I got to give Shapiro and They've Atkins credit. Well, yeah. I got to give him credit. Yep. They 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 have done everything they said they were going to do, and the Jays are a competitive team, and they're a World Series contender. So if we bring her back just to, to wrap things up here to sort of the, the premise, because honestly, I'm struggling with it. What's the end goal with what's clearly going to be a lock? And look, We've been sitting here talking now for uh, longer than I told you would, told you we would. So sorry about that. See, you know what? But, you're, you, you're, you're such a prick. Oh, I okay. mean, you know, tall can radio. You just start feeding beers to people, and you say, "Hey, we're just going to do about an hour." And you say, "Hey, you know what? Do you want another beer?" <laughs> ah, I guess I'll have another beer. 
And all of a sudden, guys pulling the curtain back. Here we go. We offer it right <laughs> um, what do you think the end goal is? As we go into this lockout, they're not looking for a cap. I can't imagine the players expect they're getting a floor. What are they doing? What's the end goal here? There's so much money in the system. They've just shown their hand by signing everyone I know. and their cousin yeah. to a $300 million Don't contract. Don't we say this about every work stoppage in every sport? It's like, what are you doing? Well, but at least, look, the NHL ones, the first one to get the cap, and I think it went from like 54% of league revenues to 57%, and they wanted to crush it back down to 50 when they did the 23rd. I mean, yeah. At least those were easily identifiable, whether you agreed with it or not. The owners were just wanting more of the pie, and 50% was what they felt they could get before the public would go, you greedy fox, mm. right? This one, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what the end goal is here, because there's not going to be a cap. I don't think there's going to be a floor. The players just want more teams to spend, and more teams, like the Texas Rangers stink, and they just signed two great players. I don't think it's enough to make them not stink. Mm. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what the end goal is. Yeah. The uh, the Corey Seager contract is reminiscent of the A Rod contract mm-hmm. that they they had all those years ago. But we're bringing this guy in; he's going to make us relevant. Oh no, he didn't. So we'll trade him to New York. <laughs> so I guess we'll see Corey that Seager a, as a Yankee you know in three years. We, we 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 should start writing this down, right? Of all these monster contracts that are being handed Let's out right now, <laughs> how many will be Yankees within five years? Yeah. No, and even or Yankee Dodgers. fans. Yeah, well, yeah, Yankee fans, even this year, I was seeing complaining about, you know, because they got off to a terrible start and then ended up playing pretty well down the stretch. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's funny with New York, like back before the uh, the NHL had a cap when it was the Wild West yep. up until 2005, as you know, the running joke was like, well, if you got a bad contract, it's not work. call the Rangers. <laughs> The Rangers will probably make a deal. And they'll, they'll they'll bring that guy in if yep. he's got if he has a name and has some star power. I'm a familiar with the phenomenon. The Leafs were happy to bring in Ron Francis four years after he stopped being good. He was Brian not Leach, franchise anymore. He was not. Brian Leeds ended up actually being fine for the Leafs the brief period they had him. But they Phil Housley, Phil Owen Housley, Nolan, yes. broken back. Like you know was, what, Newendike actually you know did a little something for them. Yep. 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 No, in the year after the lockout, I remember it was uh, two years after the lockout, it was Neuendijk, Roberts, and Belfour all signed in Florida, which was like Del Boca Vista phase two, <laughs> right? Heading down there for retirement. So <laughs> that's how it goes. Did you like the pen? <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> now the Panthers are good and actually a thorn in the side. So we'll, uh, we'll wind this one down here. Lloydy, I've kept you longer than I said I would, but uh, I appreciate your time, man. And these right. are always fun. No, uh, it's good. It's about time I got back in here. It's always a pleasure. It's yeah, good. no, this is uh, like I said, one of my uh, one of my favorite guys. And it, it, you know, we're both within stumbling distance of each mm. other, so shouldn't be uh, thankfully. Shouldn't be difficult. So we'll wind this one down here. Uh, what's the uh, the social media handle there, Lloydie? It is uh, what is it? It's uh, at uh, TSN Steve Lloyd. There you go. Two L's in uh, yeah L L O Y D. There you go. Uh, ten to tw- uh, ten to two. Every day on TSN twelve hundred in the 12. box. Play, oh, hey. you, my you, agent? You, you wish. Paid the same? <laughs> exactly. I'll talk to Jr. All right. Uh, next time he's been on and had a nine percent beer too. <laughs> See what we can work out for you. Uh, with that in mind, we'll wind this one down here. This has been Tall Can Audio number nine oh nine. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now, and uh, we will catch you all next time. That was a hot mess. 
inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.